we would like to welcome you to the B.C. Day edition of The Jazz Show. My name is Gavin Walker, and we're here for three and a half or three hours plus with some of the very best in jazz music. And, of course, we have such a wide variety of music to play for you this evening. And we're going to get to that uh, as the show proceeds, of course. But, as always, we begin with our jazz feature. And this is an artist that I think everyone knows. Um, There is no doubt as to his uh, stature and his influence on music. And I think even so many um, people that don't listen to jazz know who this gentleman is and what instrument he plays. His name? John William Coltrane. John Coltrane. This is an album that um, is very appealing in the Coltrane um, recorded legacy. Coltrane, of course, interestingly enough, he's one of the jazz artists whose every stage uh, of his development was recorded. Now, a lot of artists don't have that, uh, that sort of privilege uh, Coltrane was lucky uh, in many ways, but he was also, of course, uh, extremely talented. And, um, and many, many people feel that, uh, that he was definitely a genius. And Coltrane was a very, very hard worker, never stopped practicing. As a matter of fact, somebody said that uh, that's, uh, although Coltrane died of, uh, of liver cancer at age 40, Someone said that he really died of practicing because that's just about all he did. Um, He would perform. uh, I know this for a fact, too. I remember hearing Coltrane at the jazz workshop in in San Francisco um, more than once, and he would play a whole set, uh, long, long tunes, of course, and, of course, uh, solo with this incredible intensity. The set would be over, and um, all the other musicians would be, uh, you know, heading to the bar or heading outside uh, to get some fresh air. Coltrane would be going back to the dressing room, and you'd hear him practicing right after doing this set because he would have discovered something that he played on the set, and he wanted to practice it. He heard it in his head. He wanted to practice it over and over and over again. Absolutely amazing. Anyway, this album... um, Interestingly enough, Coltrane, uh, his early um, record label was Prestige. And, of course, um, he recorded many, many albums for Prestige. And you did hear his development on that label. Um, He signed with Prestige after he joined Miles Davis's band. And he was offered uh, an individual recording contract and began recording for the Prestige label in 1957. And you can hear the, the development. 57, 1957 was a very pivotal year for John Coltrane. Um, we all know that he, uh, he was an alcoholic and a drug addict up to that time and not very happy with himself. And uh, it wasn't, and it actually got fired from the famous first great quintet by Miles Davis. Miles had enough of them. And uh, 
um, Coltrane hooked up with Thelonious Monk, and it was Thelonious Monk who inspired John Coltrane to get into his music, get off drugs, and become the great musician that Monk believed Coltrane was. And coupled with Monk's advice and Coltrane's very um, spiritual ties with the Baptist church that he was raised in, he found that inner strength. And, of course, his first wife, Naima, um, was a great help as well. And and Coltrane was able to shake off uh, heroin addiction by himself and also shake off alcohol. And 1957, um, he, of course, became a part of uh, Thelonious Monk's quartet, the summer of 1957, and his development in that during that time was absolutely astounding. So, his next record label was Atlantic Records, and of course, this time Coltrane uh, had finished his apprenticeship with Miles Davis, and um, he had returned to Miles Davis's band, of course as we all know, and then finally left to uh, pursue his own um, music and his own band. And he signed with Atlantic Records, and Atlantic uh, put out some very, very fine albums by John Coltrane. And the next record signing was perhaps the most important of all was his signing with Impulse Records. And um, he made some of his greatest recordings including Love Supreme, Crescent, um, those recordings for the Impulse label. This album that we're going to hear this evening is called Olay. And what happened was Coltrane had already, as I mentioned, signed with the Impulse label, and he had begun to record... um, this, uh, his first album for Impulse, which was called Africa Brass, which was Coltrane, the quartet, expanded with a big band backing, and uh, an incredible album. And he had begun to record that album. He got a phone call from the owner of Atlantic Records and said, you know, John, you're signed with Impulse, and we're very happy for you but you owe us an album. And Coltrane said, what? And, and um, <laughs> Nesui uh, Erdogan said, uh, the owner of Atlantic Records says, yeah, man, you owe us an album. And Coltrane says, all right, we'll, we'll do it. So what he did was take a small contingent from this um, impulse date and put it together, and made this particular album. Now, uh, Freddie Hubbard, uh, the trumpeter, was involved in the, uh, with the Impulse date, the big band date, and so was Eric Dolphy, who, of course, played flute, alto saxophone, bass clarinet, all these instruments. So, and also train, Coltrane was using two bass players, and so he brought in an extra bass player, for this session. So what this is, is is his quartet, but expanded by three people. So we're going to hear John Coltrane on soprano and tenor saxophone, 
We're going to hear Eric Dolphy on the flute and the alto saxophone. We're going to hear Freddie Hubbard on the trumpet. And, of course, the regular uh, pianist with John Coltrane was a young man named McCoy Tyner. On bass, his regular bass player at the time was Reginald Workman, but he also brought in the great Art Davis on bass. So there's two bass players on here. And, of course, his drummer, who was in the regular quartet, Elvin Jones. So these are the people that are on this um, Atlantic date. And the music here is very appealing. Um, Coltrane didn't really set out to make a, a, an album that was um, quote-unquote easy listening. But I find uh, I found that this album over the years was uh, very often a wonderful way to introduce people to John Coltrane's music um, because uh, of the tunes involved and just the just the playing. Uh, it's a rather fascinating album and a very creative album as well as as uh, as to be expected. It was recorded May the twenty fifth. 1961 in Atlantic Recording Studios in New York City. The title track is the first tune we're going to hear, and it's a long, almost 20 minutes long, and it's a, a great, it's Moorish, it's Spanish, it's in 5-4 time, and I remember playing um, people uh, playing this recording at parties, and we'd get all, all get up and dance to this. Uh, which was an incredible experience, especially if you had a good partner. And so the first tune, uh, what we're going to hear, the first tune is the title track, and it's a Coltrane composition called Olay, and he plays the soprano saxophone on that. The tune number two is kind of um, unresolved blues, and it's a, a neat uh, tune written by uh, Mr. Coltrane, and it's called Dahomey Dance. And uh, we'll hear, of course, uh, John on tenor saxophone on here and Eric Dolphy on um, alto saxophone. And um, tune number three, these are the, there were only three tunes on the original LP. Tune number three is written by McCoy Tyner and a very, very beautiful ballad dedicated to McCoy's wife, Aisha, and that's what it's called, Aisha, and uh, it's a gorgeous tune. They found one more tune, which was never on the original LP version, but it's included in the CD version, and it's a, a wonderful composition uh, written by a friend of John Coltrane's, a, a saxophone player named Billy Frazier, and it's called To Her Ladyship. And it's actually dedicated to Billie Holiday. And it's another um, very moving piece of music. And so that makes up the four tunes on this album. Just a little sidelight, a little anecdote here. On the original album, because Eric Dolphy is involved here, he had a contract with Prestige Records. So when this album came out, the LP album, it had all the personnel on it. But it had a guy named George Lane, George Lane, playing the flute and alto saxophone. And, of course, anybody with half an ear would have recognized that it was actually Eric Dolphy. 
But some of the jazz critics, I don't know where their ears were, but several jazz critics um, <laughs> came reviewed the album, said it was a nice album, and so on. And they said, uh, it introduces a new name to us, uh, a gentleman named George Lane, who obviously is, is very much influenced by Eric Dolphy. Well, it's, you know, anyway, they, by the time the CD came out, uh, and of course everyone knew it was Eric Dolphy, he had to use a pseudonym uh, because he was under contract with Prestige Records and he didn't want to upset them. So he recorded under this pseudonym, George Lane. Anyway, um, that w that's all been resolved by time, and we all know, of course, it was Eric Dolphy, but it was very funny to have the critics mistake this guy. I always got a big laugh out of it. Anyway, we'll get to the music right now. This is our jazz feature this evening. Wonderful album. Once again, the personnel, John Coltrane on soprano and tenor saxophone, uh, Eric Dolphy on flute and alto saxophone, Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, McCoy Tyner on piano, two bass players, the great Art Davis and Reggie Workman, and the great Reggie Workman, and Elvin Jones on drums. And be especially cognizant, especially on this first tune, of the work of the two bass players. They, they, they make this tune really happen. And... Uh, of course, everyone else rallies, but the bass players are the real heroes on this first tune, which, of course, is Olay, and the title track and our jazz feature for this evening.
our jazz feature this evening, an album by John Coltrane entitled Ole, sometimes known as Ole Coltrane. It came out on Atlantic Records, and uh, it was very interesting, its history, because um, John Coltrane had signed with the Impulse label, and he was already beginning um, to record what was to be a very famous Impulse album, his first, called Africa Brass, which was the expanded quartet and um, a large brass ensemble. And he got a call from the owner of Atlantic Records to congratulate him on his new signing, but said, you know, you, you owe us one more album. Coltrane had been signed by Atlantic and uh, from 1959 to uh, 61. And so Coltrane said, well, that's fine. Um, set up a date, and we'll, we'll come in, and I'll, I'll, do, I'll do the date. And he said, well, in a couple of days. And um, that's what happened. Uh, so Coltrane uh, brought um, some musicians that were involved in the Africa brass section to add to his working quartet, and recorded this album that we just heard for Atlantic Records on May 25th, 1961. And the people he added um, to his quartet, his basic quartet was himself on soprano and tenor saxophone, and McCoy Tyner, of course, at the piano. His bass player at the time was Reginald Workman, and his drummer, of course, was Elvin Jones. So... Coltrane brought in Eric Dolphy to play flute and alto saxophone and Freddie Hubbard to play trumpet and added one more bass player in the person of Art Davis. And so this album was made and it contained um, the music that you heard this evening. So we began with the title track, which was, of course, in 5-4 time, featured uh, some amazing uh, setup by the two bass players, Art Davis and Reggie Workman, um, and McCoy Tyner and Elvin, and uh, delivered kind of a Spanish-Moorish feel. And, of course, that uh, um, it actually the tune actually had no title, but because of this kind of feel and this was kind of a... Spanish-type tune, um, Coltrane came up with the title Ole, and that's what it was called, Ole. The second tune uh, was uh, basically um, a blues without a, a, a tonic note, and um, it was called Dahomey Dance, and that featured uh, John Coltrane on tenor saxophone and Eric Dolphy on alto saxophone. On Olay, Coltrane played soprano and Dolphy played flute, of course. Tune number three is a very beautiful ballad, and it was written by McCoy Tyner for his wife, and Mrs. Tyner's name is Aisha, and that was the name of tune number three. And on the original album, because Olay took up all of one side of uh, an LP, um... Dahomey Dance and uh, Aisha were side two, and there were only three tunes, of course, on the original LP. They found another one, 
and issued it on the CD, and that's the that's the tune we heard after Aisha, another uh, pretty ballad dedicated to Billie Holiday and written by a friend of John Coltrane's, a saxophone player by the name of Billy Frazier, and he wrote the tune called To Her Ladyship, and uh, that was um, beautifully played by... Um, Eric Dolphy on the flute, Coltrane played both soprano and tenor saxophone on that one, and Freddie Hubbard, of course, on trumpet and the rest of the band. So that is the album. And it's really one of the more appealing John Coltrane albums. Um, Several people have told me that uh, they're huge Coltrane fans, but, you know, you can't... uh, A lot of people find Coltrane's music too intense and too um, and too heavy, and um, this album is not a compromise in any way. But the music is a little more um, appealing, um, I think, because of the title track too. That's a great lead-in, and and you get an idea of what John Coltrane's music is all about from this album. And yet, it doesn't have the the um, sometimes alienating intensity of uh, some of his other recordings. And it's a great introductory album for uh, people that are not familiar with John Coltrane's music and a good way to get them into listening to the very important and profound and music of a genius, John Coltrane. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed the jazz feature this evening, Olay was the name of the album, and it uh, was issued on Atlantic Records. John Coltrane on soprano and tenor saxophone, Eric Dolphy on flute and alto saxophone, Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, McCoy Tyner on piano, Art Davis and Reggie Workman on basses, and Elvin Jones on drums. That's it. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on the web www.citr.ca. This is The Jazz Show, a regular Monday night feature of uh, CITR. And my name's Gavin Walker, and we'll be right back after a few very important messages, beginning with this one. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to do it wrong. I'm about to spit yeah. in this mic like... <laughs> Freestyle elfin, you know? Okay, okay. <clears throat> Wait, hold on. Does it make sense? <laughs> no, but who cares? All right, let's go. <clears throat> Finally, we... <laughs> You're not even going to last. All right. Victoria's Pretty Good, Not Bad Festival, Fountain, just back from France, Montreal. <laughs> what the Victoria's pretty good, not bad festival. <laughs> Fountain's okay, just back from France. What are you even saying here? Oh, you're trying to say these are the things featured oh, yeah, in this one. You should probably specify that. Because even a fucking elf couldn't understand that, okay? Think you can do better than an elf? At CITR, we want to have a variety of voices on the air. Want to write scripts? Do some voice acting? Broadcast your creativity? Volunteer with the CITR production department. No experience? We can also train you in everything required. Send an email to psas at citr.ca to learn more. And don't wait to get your voice on the air. You're listening to CITR 101.9. 
broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. been just gorgeous hasn't it all right well we're into august and today of course is august 1st bc day and i certainly hope that uh, those of you that uh, are just getting home from a weekend holiday uh, certainly enjoyed yourself the weather was just perfect uh, for everything that was happening the pride parade yesterday the fireworks all that stuff and um, of course today was a very beautiful day as well Tonight, we're expecting increasing cloud with a 40% chance, 40% chance of a shower or maybe even a thunder shower and a low of 14. And then tomorrow, uh, they're calling for showers. N- not too extreme, but, uh, you know, showers all the same. We're familiar with that anyway, and that's the, tomorrow's official forecast with a low of 14 and a high of 18. Wednesday is cloudy with a 30% chance of Drizzle, <laughs> okay, um, that's all, but still, you know, it won't be sunny. Um, low of 15 and a high of 21. Thursday is brighter, sunny, with a low of 15 and a high of 22. And then for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is um, a really pleasant mix of sun and cloud, with lows between 14 and 15 and highs between... 21 and 24. So that's uh, that's basically your weather. So a little bit of a uh, downturn for uh, tomorrow and Wednesday. Not much of a downturn. And then back to uh, basically sunny weather. So that's really nice for the beginning of August. Chet Baker. I love Chet Baker's playing. And his singing isn't bad either. Chad Baker was recently the uh, subject of a biographical movie with, uh, well, it was it was an okay movie, and um, uh, it wasn't bad. It had some good points in it, and, uh, some factual mistakes, and all this kind of stuff. But um, anyway, we won't talk about the movie <laughs> because. Uh, um, those, those kind of movies, unless they're documentaries. Documentaries are good. Uh, there was a great documentary on Chet Baker, which should be seen, called Let's Get Lost. And that's a, a wonderful, factual documentary. Um, you know, when, when somehow jazz suffers when, when people try and make a, a movie about a jazz musician, it doesn't usually work. 
uh, very well. And the Chet Baker movie was uh, pretty mediocre. The Miles Davis movie, as I mentioned, was, as far as I'm concerned, terrible, well, uh, produced by Don Cheadle. But, uh, you know, somebody may disagree with me on that, but that's my opinion. Um, however, there is never a doubt about Chet Baker's music. And, and with all the inherent problems of his personal life and ups and downs and, and, and all that kind of stuff, which is a subject of... Uh, uh, his biography and all, all that kind of stuff. The music that Chad Baker played was extraordinarily beautiful and just um, always, no matter what his physical or mental condition was at the time, Chad Baker always came to play because that was the most important thing in his life was to pick up his trumpet and to make music and to also um, sing. He loved to sing as well. His voice wasn't great, but it was very, very distinctive. Anyway, here's Chet with uh, two of his favorite musicians. There are no drums on this. This is recorded in 1985 in Europe, and it featured, uh, ch features Chet on trumpet uh, with uh, Jean-Louis Rassenfoss on bass and Michel Greyer on piano. And uh, here is Chet Baker's version of Cole Porter's famous tune, Love for Sale. Check this out. This is delightful.
heard two tunes by Chet Baker from this uh, Sonnet album. It was recorded in Stockholm and it featured uh, Chet, of course, on trumpet with um, some very fine musicians. Jean-Louis Razenfoss on bass and Michel Greyer on piano and, of course, Chet on trumpet. We heard... Uh, a very fine, uh, kind of a unique version of Cole Porter's Love for Sale. And then we got into something uh, pretty traditional, a blues. And this one was written by Red Mitchell, the great bassist, and uh, entitled Red's Blues. Of course, Chet Baker, amazing, amazing musician, always came to play and always did play. Here is a singer that I've always enjoyed, he lives in Victoria now, but of course he um, performed for many years in uh, in Toronto, and uh, he doesn't get over to Vancouver very often. But um, he is one of the few male jazz singers that uh, that I enjoy. He's um, really and truly a jazz singer. His phrasing and and the way. Um, he just puts together, uh, is able to sing a, a great standard tune. Some people, you know, they're, they're sort of pretend jazz singers. Uh, in other words, they, they start singing Cole Porter tunes, uh, George Gershwin tunes, and so on, and have no idea uh, of how to, uh, of jazz phrasing. But because they, they have uh, chosen tunes by these great composers, they say, well, I'm a jazz singer now. That ain't quite the way it works. <laughs> I don't know. You have to have, uh, you have to develop uh, something uh, called the jazz language. And um, that's something that is, comes to you in a very different way. I won't get into all the permutations and combinations, but Joe Coughlin, to me, is a jazz singer. And um, this album was recorded in Toronto a few years ago with some good friends of mine. Uh, Joe being one of them, and uh, Alex Dean on tenor saxophone, Mark Eisenman on piano, Lauren Lofsky on guitar, um, Mike Malone on trumpet, and um, Steve Wallace on bass, and uh, a real dear friend of mine, John Sumner on drums. And this is from a, an album by Joe Coblin called Third Accession. So we're going to hear two standard tunes. Um, first one is a Gershwin tune that we all know, probably the best known Gershwin tune ever and perfectly appropriate for this time of year. And of course, it's summertime. We're going to hear Joe's version of summertime and we're going to follow that with a Hoagie Carmichael classic called Skylark. Here then, Joe Coughlin. Jumping and the cotton is high. Your dad is rich, 
And your mama, she's good looking. So hush, little baby, don't you cry. One of these mornings, you're gonna rise up singing. You are gonna spread your wings and take to the sky.
But my heart is riding on 
So if you see them anywhere, won't you lead me? We heard two fine vocals from Joe Coughlin, who uh, now resides in Victoria and gigs over there um, occasionally, a great singer. And this was recorded with um, his Toronto buddies, and of course Joe lived in Toronto for many, many years before moving to Victoria. And uh, all these are uh, leading lights of the uh, Toronto jazz scene. Alex Dean on tenor saxophone. Uh, Mike Malone on trumpet, and we heard Mark Eisenman on piano, who arranged uh, the two uh, tunes, Lorne Lofsky on guitar, and um, Steve Wallace on bass, and my old friend John Sumner on drums. We heard two tunes, of course, Summertime uh, by George Gershwin, and the second tune was Hoagie Carmichael's very beautiful uh, Skylark. Joe Coughlin. Wow, wonderful singer. Here's a guy that is known as an alto saxophone player. He's also known as the flute player. He's not so well known as a baritone saxophone player, but he can handle that instrument extremely well. This is from a, a rare recording on Pacific Jazz, which came out. It's called New Groove, and it features the late, great Bud Shank on baritone saxophone with Carmel Jones on trumpet, Dennis Budimir on guitar, Gary Peacock on bass, and Mel Lewis on drums. And this is a great tune by trombonist Tyree Glenn called Sultry Serenade.
Bud Schenk on baritone saxophone. He's better known, of course, as a, a flute and alto saxophone player. And uh, he handles the Big Barry beautifully and on this uh, piece of music with Carmel Jones on trumpet, Dennis Budimir on guitar, Gary Peacock on bass, Mel Lewis on drums, recorded in uh, Los Angeles in May of 1961 for Pacific Jazz Records. And that's a piece of music by Tyree Glenn, wonderful trombone and vibes player. And uh, that tune is called Sultry Serenade. We're going to be back with um, virtuoso trombonist Bill Watrous, along with uh, a gentleman we featured on the um, featured on the jazz feature last week. That's the great Art Pepper. Um, but we'd like to remind you that you are listening to CITR FM 101.9 on your FM dial, and of course, if you're on your computer, it's CITR.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and this is the Jazz Show just like to remind you of a couple of great websites to go on to if you uh, want to find out a little more about uh, what's happening on the scene as regards jazz music. There's all kinds of um, various and sundry gigs um, going on all the time all over the city. And, of course, there's a lot of really nice stuff happening at, uh, well, for instance, Blue Martini in, um, in Kitsilano down on U Street. And, of course, Frankie's Jazz Club, um, which uh, is downtown on Beatty Street. And, of course, uh, every Saturday afternoon, and it's free there, no admission, Pat's Pub. And um, there's all kinds of uh, very fine uh, musicians playing at Pat's Pub. This is their uh, uh, piano month, and Miles Black and all kinds of wonderful Musicians will be playing there. I believe Miles Black is there this Saturday with his trio, and he's one of our city's uh, great piano players and um, well-loved by everybody. So two things you can do to find out what's going on around in and around Vancouver on the jazz scene is go on the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. These are the people, of course, that bring you the big jazz festival every year. And they have a great website, coastaljazz.ca. And, of course, the, the, the schedule for Frankie's um, is up there. And, of course, uh, you can find out what's, who's playing what where all over the city on that website and, and uh, of course, their own productions. So Coastal Jazz doesn't sleep, even though the jazz festival is over for another year. Um, there's all sorts of things coming up, and uh, it's very wise to uh, check out their website, coastaljazz.ca. Another fine website is the website of uh, vancouverjazz.com. That's put together by my old friend Brian Nation, and uh, um, that particular website has got all kinds of links and interesting stuff on there. You can spend a lot of time on that website, too. That's vancouverjazz.com. One more thing that I'd like to mention is my good friend Ken Speller. Ken is a very fine musician, and if you uh, would like to learn how to play the clarinet, the flute, and the saxophone, he's a guy to call. He does has a business called Music at Home, and he will come and teach you how to play those instruments and um, advise you on how to rent or buy uh, one of those rather expensive instruments if you don't have one um, yourself. 
Ken is also a marvelous repair person as well, and uh, he will keep your instrument in good shape and not charge you an arm and a leg because his workshop is right in, in his home. And Ken is located in the Metrotown area of Burnaby, uh, very easily accessible. And um, if you need uh, repairs on your instrument, whether you're a professional, amateur, student, whatever, um, he's a good guy to go and see. And if you want to study music, yeah, he's also a good guy to go and see. He's a man for all seasons. Ken Speller. He can be reached at 778-800-1933, 778-800-1933, or uh, you can get him uh, via email, which is kspeller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. Kspeller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. And we'll be back in uh, a very few seconds. Here's a couple of things that are of interest. Tune in every Monday from 4 to 5 p.m. for a little bit of soul with your host, Jade Park. A little bit of soul plays primarily old recordings of jazz, swing, big band, blues, oldies, and Motown. very best in bluegrass music, plus classic country, Cajun, rockabilly, western swing, and whatever jumps off the shelves at us. Tune in every Tuesday morning at 6.30 for Pacific Pickin' with your host, Arthur Berman. And I'm Andrea. The lovely Andrea, who will also provide you with our concert calendar and every bit of news and information you can possibly need. And as if that wasn't enough, there's a warm-up show at 6, featuring a little bit of a wider variety of roots and branches of bluegrass music. So tune in each morning, 6 for the warm-up show, 6.30 for the main show, Pacific Pickin' on CITR 101.9 in Vancouver. All right. Here is an album called Funk and Fun, and it features uh, virtuoso trombonist Bill Watrous, along with the great Art Pepper, on alto saxophone, and of course Art was our jazz feature artist last week, and uh, we hear a little more of him on this recording. Um, the other people involved, Russ Freeman on piano, and Bob Magnuson on bass, and Art Pepper's favorite drummer, Carl Burnett. All of this was recorded in Los Angeles in 1979. We're going to hear two tunes from here. First one is a Bill Watrous composition dedicated to Art Pepper, and it's called For Art's Sake. And the second tune is um, a blues written by Art Pepper entitled Funny Blues. So here then, two pieces, Bill Watrous on trombone and Art Pepper on alto saxophone. Thank you. 
That one was called The Funny Blues. And the one before was called For Art's Sake. And we heard the Bill Watrous Art Pepper Quintet. Bill Watrous, of course, one of the great virtuoso trombone players. And, of course, Art Pepper, one of the great voices of the alto saxophone, along with um, a great rhythm section. Russ Freeman on piano, Bob Magnuson on bass, and Carl Burnett on drums. And that's from an album called Funk and Fun, Bill Watrous with Art Pepper. I hope you enjoy those two pieces. We're going to turn now to the music of Julian Cannonball Adderley and the quintet recorded in Paris at the Olympia or the Teatra Olympia. In Paris, we're going to hear um, Julian Adderley, Cannonball, on alto saxophone, with Brother Nat on cornet, and on piano, Victor Feldman on bass, Sam Jones, and on drums, Louis Hayes. And we're going to hear two great pieces by the band. One was a, a real favorite of everyone's, and the, the band got requested to do this tune all the time. It was written by pianist Duke Pearson, and the tune is called Janine. And the second tune, well, Cannonball's going to tell you about it and tell you about the composer, and uh, we'll just let him do that. So two tunes from recorded in 1961 in Paris. Julian Cannonball Adderley Quintet.
We're going to play now a tune written for us by one of the great jazz men of all time, a man whose contribution has been tremendous, we feel. He is not so well known generally as a jazz man as as a blues singer and performer, but he is a very great musician. He's written several fine composition standards, jazz standards, such as Tune Up and Four and so forth. This man's name is Eddie Cleanhead Vinson, and he's just written a tune for us that he calls Arriving Soon. He says it has no particular social significance, but I know him and I think it does. Arriving Soon by Eddie Vinson.
Thank you. Arriving soon by Eddie Cleanhead Vincent. We're now going to introduce to you, ladies and gentlemen, the members of the band. First of all, we have on drums one of the outstanding young drummers in all of jazz, already a stylist himself, Lewis Hayes, ladies and gentlemen. Lewis Hayes on drums. And the, the man with the famous rock hard beat, one of the most important bassists in jazz today, Sam Jones on bass, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, in regard to this next member, I like to put him on sometimes, uh, put him on as, you know, a funny expression from back home, but... <laughs> but uh, I say it because uh, in England they say the greatest jazz musician that England has ever produced, Victor Feldman, piano and violin. <laughs> Victor Feldman. And... Um, uh, Taking an example from the President of the United States, we uh, uh, do our little bit of nepotism here. We have it going. Our Attorney General, our brass section is my brother, Nat Adderley. Nat Adderley. <laughs> See what I mean? Well, that's the way it goes sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ever-personable Cannonball Adderley, one of the great band leaders in the history of jazz and a great communicator with, uh, with people. That's the way it should be, you know. Uh, so many musicians get on the bandstand and they don't say anything to the audience and begin playing all this kind of music and, uh, you know, try and then they wonder why the audiences are, are, are cold and don't react to their music. You know, you got to communicate, and Cannonball was one of the great communicators. Julian Cannonball Adderley and his quintet, and uh, he just told you all about the people that were in that band and uh, the pieces of music we heard recorded in Paris at the uh, Teatro Olympia, and most Parisians understand English pretty well, too, and uh, uh, some of the inside jokes as well. They... Um, they, they, they may pretend not to understand English, but they do. <laughs> it's like Montrealers. Uh, all Montreal French Canadians uh, understand English very well. And, and actually, most English people that live in Montreal understand French, too, even though sometimes they pretend not to. Anyway, the two tunes we heard, um, the first one was uh, Janine, written by pianist Duke Pearson, and the second tune, of course, was, as Cannonball told you, uh, was written by Eddie Cleanhead Vinson, who is better known as a blues musician, but he wrote some great tunes, and he was a great saxophone player, too. And that tune was called Arriving Soon. We'll be right back. We have a couple of uh, brief messages for you. Just like to remind you, you are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker and this is The Jazz Show and uh, we shall come back with some uh, female musicians and not singers either, instrumentalists. Check that out.
Three women dressed in lingerie were hanging from the ceiling on meat hooks. In an adjacent room, a man was in bed with two deceased females, also wearing lingerie. He positioned their arms in a sexy embrace. Down the hall, a man holding a chainsaw stood over the motionless body of a sixth woman lying on a table covered in plastic. These are scenes from a popular music video by a Grammy award-winning artist. If we want violence against women to stop, shouldn't we stop treating it like entertainment? Join the conversation at hashtag not okay. Tune in to African Rhythms every Friday from 7.30 to 9 o'clock with your host, David Love Jones, as he plays a heavyweight selection of classics from the past, present, and future. This includes jazz, soul, hip-hop, Afro-Latin, funk, and eclectic Brazilian rhythms. Lots of people, they take it like a game. We're going to play some music that features uh, a group of uh, female musicians. And it's led by the late, wonderful vibes player from Detroit, Terry Pollard. And uh, this is her uh, septet with Norma Carson on trumpet, Terry, of course, on vibes, Corky Hetched on harp, Beryl Booker on piano, Mary Osborne on guitar, Bonnie Wetzel on bass, and Elaine Layton on drums. This stuff was recorded in the 50s, um, but it's, uh, it's very interesting and um, really, really fun. And uh, this first piece of music is written by Leonard Feather, and it's called Cat Meets Chick. <laughs> All right, here is the Terry Pollard and her septet.
That certainly had a very sort of mid-50s sound to it. And, uh, of course, because it was recorded back then. And this featured a group of all-lady musicians, instrumentalists, and great ones, too, um, led by Vibes player Terry Pollard, uh, originally from Detroit, a great, great musician uh, uh, who died far too young. Um, with Terry on, on uh, this date, Norma Carson on trumpet, um, Corky Hecht on harp, um, Beryl Booker on piano, Mary Osborne, really fine guitarist, and uh, Bonnie Wetzel on bass, and Elaine Layton on drums. And we heard three tunes. Um, the first one was written by Leonard Feather, and it was called Cat Meets Chick. The second tune uh, was a thing um, written by um, Mary Lou Williams, as a matter of fact, called Mom Blues. And the third tune, of course, was written by George and Ira Gershwin, a famous uh, ballad, a great tune called The Man I Love. Terry Pollard and her septet. All right, hope you enjoyed that uh, music. We're going to turn now to a live recording done at a very famous um, jazz club in New York called Boomers. And Boomers um, featured uh, so many uh, uh, great uh, jazz sets. And this was one of them, led by pianist Cedar Walton. And it featured Clifford Jordan on tenor saxophone, one of the great voices of that instrument, and two gentlemen that you heard a little earlier with Cannonball Adderley, Sam Jones on bass and Louis Hayes on drums. This was recorded um, in the mid-'70s at uh, Boomers in New York. We're going to hear... Uh, basically three tunes. The first one is an extended version of um, the great standard that every jazz musician knows, Stella by Starlight, written by Victor Young and Ned Washington. And the second tune is a Clifford Jordan original called The Highest Mountain. And then we're going to hear a little bit of the um, theme of the band, the Bleecker Street theme. So here then is the Cedar Walton Quartet featuring Clifford Jordan on tenor saxophone.
We heard three tunes recorded at in New York City Boomers. Yeah, uh, it was a great uh, legendary jazz club, which, of course, is no longer there. And that featured the uh, Cedar Walton Clifford Jordan Quartet. Cedar Walton, of course, on piano, Clifford Jordan on tenor saxophone, Sam Jones on bass, and Lewis Hayes on drums. And we heard Stella by Starlight was the first tune. Second tune was um, a Cedar Walton composition called The Highest Mountain. And we heard a little bit of the band's theme, Bleecker Street theme, written by Cedar Walton. Extremely fine band. And we're going to close the show with um, a rather interesting two pieces of music. And these are two compositions by Jimmy Jufrey, and it features his um, saxophone uh, overdubbed um, and harmonized, of course. And Jim Hall is here on guitar and a little bit of Bob Brookmeyer on uh, trombone. But uh, essentially, Jufri uh, used the overdubbing technique of his own saxophone playing um, to formulate these two compositions. And um, they're very interesting. And, of course, typical of the innovative quality of uh, Jimmy Jufri's music. So this is going to close our program. We're going to hear a thing called Ode to Switzerland. And the final tune is going to be called Blues in a Barn. And both of these compositions and creations are by Jimmy Jufre. So I hope you uh, enjoy this rather unique uh, way of um, ending tonight's show. Jimmy Jufre. <laughs>
Some pretty innovative stuff from Jimmy Jufre. Recorded uh, way back in 1958, and that featured um, Jimmy on all the horns, but he o overdubbed them and uh, harmonized them and, all, and did all that kind of stuff. And the first piece of music was a rather atmospheric thing called Ode to Switzerland. And then the second one, he got a little help from Jim Hall on guitar and Bob Brookmeyer playing piano. And uh, that one was called Blues in a Barn. And both of those tunes from uh, um, an album by uh, Jimmy Jufri called The Four Brothers Sound. And uh, he is the Four Brothers <laughs> on that because he be, all the horns are uh, all belong to uh, one man through the technique of overdubbing. Yeah. Anyway, very interesting, and uh, Jufre has always been a, a most intriguing musician, um, adapted to uh, so many styles, and uh, is a great innovator, was a great innovator. Anyway, that wraps up uh, the jazz show this evening. We certainly hope you stayed for uh, some of the show, or, and if you stayed for all of it, great. And uh, we have... Uh, next week, our jazz feature is a man who was called the Coltrane of the Vibes. And this is um, a recording that we have featured uh, before, but uh, it's one of my all-time favorite, um, personal favorite recordings. It's one of the most amazing recording debuts in the history of jazz music, and it was the very first recording by vibraphonist from Philadelphia by the name of Walt Dickerson. And um, the album is simply called This Is Walt Dickerson. And it features Walt with his uh, quartet, with his working quartet. And um, it's quite an amazing recording of all of Mr. Dickerson's original compositions. And it's a true classic and uh, one of my personal favorites, and I'm going to share it with you next week on the jazz feature, Walt Dickerson. All right, that's uh, it. I hope that you, um, well, it's going to be a little, a little bit of a downturn in the weather, but we're going to be back to sunny and warm weather for the rest of the week. Maybe a few clouds, but that's okay. It's going to be really nice. So enjoy yourself, and we'll see you in seven days' time on behalf of uh, CITR and yours truly, Gavin Walker, and The Jazz Show. Take care, and bye for now.
Thank you.